0: Hello, I'm Rod Butler. Welcome to Let God Speak. In this series of studies, we're looking at the last three global messages to the world before Jesus returns. The second of these messages is Revelation 14 and verse 8, which says that Babylon is fallen because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Well, who is this last day fallen Babylon? Stay with us as we let the Bible identify the characteristics of this last great power Babylon and why it has fallen, you are not going to want to miss this. On our panel today, we have Gail Fong and Pearl Fram. Welcome, Gail. Welcome, Paul. Thank Pearl. you. Before we start our discussion, let's bow for prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for this wonderful prophetic book of Revelation. As we discuss the second angel's message of Revelation 14, verse 8, we ask for the Holy Spirit to give us and our viewers wisdom and understanding in this important topic, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to start our discussion. I'm going to read Revelation 14, verse 8, which we've been talking about, which is the second angel's message. And Revelation 14:8 says, And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now, it's interesting, John wrote this, and John is writing this at the end of the first century, and he's writing it in past tense. So, so Gal, I've got a question for you. If he's writing in past tense, is he talking about the literal ancient Babylon here?
1: Well, no, because the Apostle John was given this vision of the second angel's message of Revelation 14. He uh, in his time. So he's now literal ancient Babylon had been in ruins for centuries. And it's interesting to note that when Babylon was at its greatest extent in the sixth century BC, the prophet Jeremiah actually prophesied of its total um, destruction. And I just read from um, the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 39 and 40. And the Bible says, therefore, the wild Desert beasts shall dwell there with the jackals and the ostriches shall dwell in it. It shall be inhabited no more forever, nor shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation. As God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighbors, says the Lord, so no one shall reside there, nor son of man dwell in it. So total destruction. And only wild animals, wild beasts would be dwelling mm-hmm. there. And Isaiah the prophet writes that not even an Arab would pitch his tent there. Mm.
0: And it's interesting, too, in verse 35 of chapter 50, it clearly says that this is on the inhabitants of Babylon. So it's definitely talking about Babylon. Yes. So in Revelation forty-eight, Babylon, ancient Babylon's gone. And so we must be talking about an entity that has the characteristics of Babylon. Um, the great controversy... Uh, between christ and satan is represented in revelation by uh, a woman in white dressed in white and a woman a vile woman dressed in scarlet and purple and decked out with with jewelry and these these women represent certain characteristics so pearl question for you how do we know that these women um, are symbolic and figurative not literal women
2: So um, Revelation 12, verse 14, um, this woman in white is given wings to fly into the wilderness. So, you know, that sounds very figurative, right? Um, Also in Jeremiah uh, chapter six, verse two, it says, I have likened the daughter of Zion to a comely and delicate woman. So there we have the daughter of Zion or Jerusalem, which is um, called as a, a woman, Um, Also over in Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 25 to 27, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish." So here we see that Paul uses a woman to represent the church, Christ's bride.
0: Mm, That's pretty clear, isn't it, that the woman is representing a church? So if that is the case, and we go back to Revelation 12, this woman in white, Gail, who does this woman in white represent?
1: Well, Revelation 12 gives us the identifying marks of God's true church. And just reading there in Revelation chapter 12, and reading verses 1 and 2, and then I'll uh, read verse 5 and 6. It says, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. So it's quite a uh, symbolic picture here, of this beautiful woman dressed in white. And it's interesting because the Bible gives the keys. And of course, she's dressed in white, which is representing Jesus as the she's dressed in light I should say which is representing Jesus as the light of the world he's mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. the son of righteousness and as he enters into the scene of history because of his life death and resurrection we there is this um, there is this uh, etern- eternity is secure so it's the, the light of the world but then she has the moon under her feet which is representative of types and shadows of all the ceremonial systems that pointed forward to Jesus when he comes in all his glory in the New Testament. The the garland of 12 stars in the Old Testament, there's the Mm. 12 um, tribes of Israel. In the New Testament, there's the 12 disciples. disciples. Um, Then you have the baby. And of course, the baby was Jesus, the Mm. baby that was promised right back there in the Garden of of Eden after uh, after they had sinned. And so here we have, uh, and I'll just read on as well. Um, verses five and six. And it says, she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1260 days. So this is very prophetic language, but obviously she's she's persecuted as well. This lady who represents God's people um, both before and uh, after the earthly ministry of Jesus. And here she is dressed in in pure white. Uh, She's God's faithful people sharing the light of the gospel, but she's also persecuted.
0: Yes, it's a very beautiful depiction of um, God's people, isn't it? Well, let's stay in Revelation 12. Revelation chapter 12 is an amazing chapter because We have the origin of the great controversy in Revelation chapter 12. We have a war in heaven. We have um, Satan and the dragon being cast to the earth. We have Michael fighting uh, for his people. We have the dragon fighting for his. And in Revelation 12 and verse 9, it says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now, this is important because the Revelation 12, 9, where it identifies um, the dragon as being Satan, when we look at the women, Gail just described the woman in white, we also have another woman in Revelation 17, a woman dressed in scarlet and purple and decked with with jewellery. She's sitting on a beast, a beast that's scarlet, which has seven heads and ten horns. The same beast that's in Revelation 13, and the same beast, by the way, that's uh, the, the same seven head and ten horns that this dragon has. So this woman, this vile woman, is sitting on a beast. So question to you, Pearl, how can we be sure that this woman, we know that the, uh, the white woman is, is representative of God's people, how do we know that this other woman is representative of another church?
2: Right. So um, in Revelation 17, verse 1, we see that... Um, you know, is she's a whore? She is not faithful. Um, and you see, the woman dressed in white, she's a she's a faithful woman. Whereas this this other woman, she claims to be God's church, but in actual fact, she is not being faithful to God. She is unfaithful. Yeah.
0: You're right. By virtue of the reference, she's a prostitute. She's a harlot. Yep. Being unfaithful to her original husband. Yes. Christ. Yes. Okay. Let's dig down now into the characteristics of this woman. Woman, Gail. What are the characteristics of this apostate church represented by this vile woman dressed in purple and, and scarlet?
1: Well, this um, this woman she she represents corruption and the opposition to God and she's described as the mother of harlots. Uh, She has daughters who are harlots or apostate churches as well. And uh, she's the mother or she's the original uh, origin of abominations. That's pretty heavy language there uh, on earth. And abominations in the Old Testament refers to idolatry and sun worship. Mm. So all forms. So she has in her worship and idolatry pagan rituals. You will not find them uh, in the Bible as part of worshiping God. They're, mm. they're of pagan origin. And this is a church controlled by Satan um, that persecuted God's faithful people down through the ages. Mm.
0: It's interesting, too, that this vile woman has on her forehead this title, uh, Babylon Mother of Harlots, um, and abominations in all the earth. If you go back to uh, Exodus 28 verses 36 to 38, it talks about the high priest wears a mitre on his forehead and the mitre says, holiness to the Lord. So this is another representation. This apostate power uh, is definitely not God's people at all. Pearl, what is the significance that says that this this, uh, woman on this beast uh, sits on many waters. What's the significance of that?
2: Yes. Yeah, so in chapter seventeen, verse fifteen, it says, "And he saith unto me, the whore, the waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples, and multitudes, and nations, and tongues." So here we see we've got the whore is sitting on peoples, multitudes, nations, in other words, this is a a worldwide um, power or, you know, thing that is affecting the whole world. Um, Yeah.
0: Well, it's interesting, isn't it, that um, Jesus says that his message will go to all the world. Mm -hmm. So the gospel goes to all the world. God's true message goes to all the world. But Satan has his counterfeit and his counterfeit also goes to all the world through this apostate church, which sits on many waters, which, as you say, implies it's all nations, tongues and people. Mm. Now, another characteristic of this church, I'm going to read Revelation 17 and verse 6, and it says, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Now, this is pretty horrific language because, you know, drunk with the blood of the saints That conjures up all sorts of terrible deeds and terrible things, and it implies that this power has killed God's people in great numbers. How did an apostate power, an apostate church get this power?
1: Well, in Revelation 17.3, where it says um, that the woman, she was sitting upon the scarlet-colored beast. And it's interesting because she's the one riding the beast, so she's actually in control of it. So a beast in Bible prophecy is representing secular powers and empires. So here, this beast represents the ruling secular power— and this apostate church combines with secular governments um, to get its power and authority to persecute those who don't go along with their teachings. So it's a very uh, powerful combination when you combine them together.
0: It's, it's interesting, isn't it, that um, if you look at history, history has the medieval church, Persecuting all those people who don't follow its teachings, and I'm not say persecuting persecuting to death, yes. so history back is backing up what the Bible says here so we have the according to the the woman in white and the the vile woman we have the world the religious world divided into two camps we have god 's pure people uh, pure church, and we have god's apostate sorry not god 's apostate, but we have the apostate church hmm. and We've, we've looked, at the, looked at the characteristics of those in the, um, the apostate church. How would you describe the characteristics of those in God's church, Pearl?
2: So if we look at Revelation twelve seventeen, it says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So here we see that her seed keeps the commandments of God, and has the testimony of Jesus Christ, so they they are faithful to God, and we also see in this same passage that despite persecution, they remain faithful. So they're faithful to God, and they keep His commandments and they follow Him.
0: Yeah, John 14, 15, uh, John fourteen fifteen says, "If you love me, keep my commandments," mm-hmm. which is God's faithful people. Let's uh, let's go back now. And look at this apostate last day church which is called Babylon and we're going to cast our mind back again to historical ancient Babylon. Gail, tell us some facts about ancient Babylon.
1: Well, Babel was one of the earliest cities founded by Nimrod who was the great grandson of Noah just after the flood and with the tower of Babel. It's interesting. So you go right back to the book of Genesis and Babel means um, gate of the gods, and that's a little G-O-D-S. It represented rebellion against the true God They were defiant in rebellion against God uh, when they built the tower. And over time, they became Babylon, uh, the capital of the Babylonian Empire, um, which is um, located in modern Iraq today. It's also interesting because it's situated between the two rivers, the Euphrates and the Tigris, and sits there um, some 97 kilometers south of Baghdad. But to the Hebrew. The Hebrews. The word uh, Babylon meant confusion, and so we have this city of confusion. And over time it became more and more powerful. And we find that in 612 BC it conquered the Assyrian Empire and um, to become the world dominant empire and rule for 73 years. And then until 539 BC when the Medo-Persian Empire under Mm. Cyrus uh, conquered the empire and the city. And um, the Bible records that as well. And Alexander the Great was going to, this is interesting, was going to make Babylon his capital, but he died in 323 BC and he never got to do that. So Babylon slowly fell into ruin, just as the Bible said, just as we read in the book of Jeremiah, just as the ancient prophets prophesied.
0: It's interesting too with ancient Babylon that you look at the, the, the strong king like uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, it was a church and state union there, because he at one stage dictated everyone should worship this great idol in Daniel 3. And if the characteristics of ancient Babylon were church and state was together, uh, that's a clue also for the last day uh, apostate Babylon as well. Now the great uh, controversy theme can also be represented by a tale of two cities. That's Jerusalem and Babylon. Tell me, Pearl. what did Babylon do to Judah and Jerusalem?
2: Mm. So, Babylon um, attacked Jerusalem um, and Judah in 605 BC and 597. Um, they came and besieged um, J- Jerusalem and they took captives back to Babylon. Um, you know, therefore, mm. persecuting the mm. the true the church. Um, finally, in five hundred and eighty six, it was actually destroyed by Babylon, and Judah was left a wasteland. Um, most of the Jews were then you know dead or either in captivity. Mm. so yeah
0: so so that's interesting because the Jews were sent into captivity in Babylon. They were captives for a period of time, seventy years. Gail, what happened to those Jews when they were in captivity?
1: Yes, well, they took the young and the best and the most intelligent, handsome of the young people. And one of those young people was actually Daniel, who grew up in the, the court of good King Josiah and also his three friends. So they were taken into captivity, yes, as uh, Pearl has said, in 605 B.C. And they were re-educated in the language and the culture of the Babylonians um, <clears throat> to serve in their government, which I thought I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And just reading in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter one, and reading verses three and four, it says, then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. So they were chosen for this purpose. But... um, it was planned that the Jews would assimilate into their culture and also into uh, the Babylonian um, pagan culture of worshipping their gods. And they worshipped many gods and had many temples uh, and shrines. I think their chief god was Mm. Moloch. Um, But not all Jews assimilated. And we have the story in the Bible, Mm. for example, of Mordecai and Esther. They Mm. were true to the living God. Mm. They did not bow the knee there. Mm. And when Cyrus allowed the Jews to return from their captivity after 70 years as prophesied, we find that a very few returned. But most of the Jews remained in Babylon because Mm. I guess they preferred to stay in Babylon. They'd already assimilated into that culture.
0: So we saw from that, what you just said, Gail, that Babylon oppressed God's people. And likewise, in the last days, this last day Babylon will also oppress, but not only oppress, will try to absorb them into their culture and to adopt their ways and their pagan ways, which is, which is quite interesting. Now, staying with you, Gail, um, will the apostate, how will the apostate uh, people... Be, um, uh, absorbed into Babylon? How will the, this apostate religion, well, Babylon, get people to go in there?
1: It's interesting. If we go to Revelation 13, it talks about a beast rising up out of the sea. And, it's in, and also it talks about a beast rising up out of the earth. And you'll find that... Uh, Satan is actually giving his power and authority to the beast rising out of the sea. And also the the second beast, he also um, changes characteristics from lamb-like to dragon-like or under the same Mm. authority. So these beasts represent apostate powers that will unite to control who can buy and sell and it's be will be behind enforcement of a death decree uh, to those who do not follow its teachings. So it says in Revelation uh, 17 and verse 14, it says it will make war against the lamb, which means those that follow the lamb, those mm-hmm. that are following Jesus, keeping his commandments and, and love the Lord. And so like ancient Babylon re-educated the Jews to be absorbed into most of their cultures, uh, this last day's spiritual Babylon will try to force adoption of its heresies onto the world.
0: Mm, interesting. Yeah, it's, the, the key point there is it'll, it'll, to get the adoption of its heresies, it forces people to, uh, to do so. Now, in, in Revelation 14, 8, it talks about the um, uh, made all nations drink of the wine of Babylon, this wine being man-made um, Uh, teachings, man-made doctrines, traditions and so forth. So I've got a question for you Pearl. If this Babylonian power that's fallen has these traditions, man-made doctrines and teachings and so forth, are we able to identify this system of false worship?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I mean, I'm sure we all wish that we could spend more time sitting here identifying this power. Um, But I'm just going to say a couple of points that helps us to identify um, this power. And that is, um, so obviously God's true people keep the commandments of God, right? So therefore we can conclude that the apostate power will not keep the commandments of God. So we have things like idol worship, um, believing that people don't die. So believing in the immortality of the soul. Um, and following man-made traditions instead of the Bible. Um, Also, right in the heart of the Ten Commandments is the Sabbath commandment. Um, And we'll find that this apostate power also disregards this commandment um, and keeps Sunday, and sun worship, you know, very Babylonian thing instead.
0: Mm. Now, just staying with that point, Pearl, staying with you, Pearl, now, I've got another question for you on this. It's very clear Babylon is fallen, has fallen, and they've got these false doctrines. Fallen from where? Fallen from what?
2: Yes. Yes. So if we would like to have a look at Revelation chapter 14 and verses six, six to seven. And it says, and I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Straight after this is where we see that Babylon has fallen. So obviously this is like the precursor. Um, so we see that they have, you know, fallen from things like uh, believing in Jesus as the creator um, and they have also, you know, th- they will not preach salvation through God, but salvation through works um, and also that the people won't be judged, but rather we just all go to heaven. Um, and so therefore, you know, these churches have fallen from these key doctrines um, and become babylon.
0: Yes, interesting and and very sobering. Gail, when identifying these religious systems, what must we be what must we be very careful of?
1: We have to remember that we're talking about an apostate system of religion and so not the individuals who are caught up in that system. It's very important not to judge anything before time because judgment belongs only to God.
0: So that's exactly, we can't judge anyone. What's our responsibility here, Pearl?
2: Our responsibility, I believe, is to um, to help people understand this. Um, Revelation 18 verses 4 and, yeah, it says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues. And I think... This is, you know, this is a call to everyone. Come out. There's a call to, it doesn't matter um, who this person is, but God is saying you can come out. You
0: definitely have a responsibility to call these people out because Jesus loves them. Amen. Well, thank you for that. Thank you, Pearl. And thank you, Gail. The second angel's message is really clear. Spiritual Babylon is fallen. There is a final crisis coming and in preparation we must Be securely anchored in Christ by filling our minds with the word of God. Christ's faithful church represented by the woman in white linen will triumph in the end. What a wonderful hope we have in Christ. Thank you for joining us on Let God Speak. All past programs plus teacher's notes are available on our website 3abnaustralia.org.au. Join us again next time and God bless.